Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thursday, everybody, and welcome into the porch. It is a VolQuest baseball podcast. It's brought to you by Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey. You've got a problem? Let them find a solution for you. That's TN Trial Lawyers. They specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. Give them a call today. That is at eight six. Or excuse me, that is at four two three two four five four one eight five four two three two four five one four eight five for a free consultation. Or visit them online at spivykingandspivyllp.com. I'm Eric Kane. Welcome back into the porch. It is a, a big one. Uh, they're, they're all you know, pretty big from here on out in, in Tennessee baseball because you've dug yourself kind of in a hole here where you're not really helping yourself out an awful lot here of late. Your arch rival is coming to town, and that is this weekend with Vanderbilt. And Tennessee needs to win. Tennessee needs to find a way to win two or three uh, that is for sure. We'll have Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee volunteer, on the program here in the back half of this episode, but it'll be yours truly here for the next, oh, probably you know, 10, we'll call it 15 minutes or so uh, at maximum. We'll start things off right now. Tennessee is 23-14. and 14. It is 5-10 and 10 in Southeastern Conference play. We'll talk about Tuesday here in a moment as well. Um, but it, you got a math here, and you never want a math, but, but you got a math in order to kind of see your picture, see your path to the NCAA tournaments. Right now, Tennessee just, just needs to focus on winning you know, one game at a time. You can't afford to be thinking about uh, you know, tr- trying to make it to the NCAA tournament because it is a tall task. Tennessee needs to be worried about beating Vanderbilt on Friday night, then beating Vanderbilt on Saturday night, then beating Vanderbilt on, on Sunday. In SEC play, 15-15, and 15, that, that's pretty much a lot to get in the postseason. You feel really good at 14 and 16, especially, you know, because you'll you'll likely have a top 40 RPI uh, in doing so. Now, here's the kicker, and we'll get to Tuesday in a moment, but with that loss to Tennessee Tech on Tuesday, it dropped you about 18 spots in the RPI, and that's not a good thing. But, but it's kind of a, a you know, d- double sword here, right? Because if you win these series coming up against Vanderbilt and uh, Kentucky and Georgia, Mississippi State, and, and South Carolina. If you win the majority of those, then you lose, and you do what you need to do to make the tournament. Your RPI will take care of itself. But that quad four loss to Tennessee Tech that hurts you a little bit. But again, it will take care of itself if you do what you need to do. So a fifteen and re- fifteen and fifteen record in Southeastern Conference play, you're in. That's a lock. A fourteen and sixteen record with a top forty RPI, which will happen likely if Tennessee gets to that point. Uh, you're 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 in, right? Um, Tennessee in 2019 got in at 14 and 16. Ole Miss last year got in at 14 and 16, and of course they went on to win the whole thing. Um, anything less than 14 wins in conference play, then you need to be winning some games in Hoover. And if you're at 13 wins, in my opinion, you, you need to be going to Sunday in Hoover and, and kind of seeing you know what what happens there. Uh, the top 12 teams in the SAC or the, in the SEC make it to Hoover. 
Um, right now, I mean, there's some people that are doom and gloom and saying, you know, well, to see if they even make it to Hoover. I think they'll make it to Hoover. But again, right now, you need to you need to focus on some things. You're five and ten with 15 more conference games to go. A series with Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, at Georgia, Kentucky, and then at South Carolina. The Vols, in my opinion, need to win every remaining home series. And you really like to win the series at Georgia as well. That would put you at 14 and 16. Entering Hoover, sweeping Mississippi State and Georgia would really go a long way in this cause. So um, there's no reason for me to think that Tennessee could sweep one of those teams right now, just given the way that they played. But as I've said all season long, as I'll talk about with Luke here in a moment, hey, the ingredients are there. Um, you've got the pitching. Your lineup is deeper. You have everything you need. Now, can you pick up some timely hits? Can you stop killing yourself defensively in the field? And can your starters continue to make it longer, you know, deeper into games? Um, that is, you know, that, that, that those last two kind of go hand in hand because a, a big reason the pitch count was driven up by, you know, for Chase Dolander and for Andrew Lindsay on, you know, their starts on Friday and Saturday against Arkansas was because you had defensive miscues behind them. So this is your bed. You got to lie in it, right? How are you going to respond? What are you going to do? We well, didn't respond the right way on Tuesday. And Tuesday, in my opinion, midweek games are not real baseball because it serves a purpose. You're out there throwing your arms. You're getting your arms work. Sure, you have starters out there in the lineup and, and in the field. I mean, Tennessee likes to give opportunities to some guys uh, to see the playing field uh, on midweek games, and you saw a little bit of that earlier this week. But, you know, the, the arms, you don't have Chase Dolander going out there and throwing seven innings like you normally would in a game against Tennessee Tech, likely. You have Xander Seacrest starting and A.J. Russell coming in and Hollis Fanning and, you know, Kirby Connell coming in and this guy and that guy. You, you get Aaron Combs. You get work in for your guys in the bullpen. But you do not want to give up four runs in one inning. You do not want to give up five runs in the ninth inning whatsoever with one of your best pitchers at that point in the game on the mound and Seth Halverson. The way you lost Tuesday was just kind of disheartening. I mean, it really was. And you were to a point where you were trying some things towards the end of the game and everything, and you had a point in time where your infield at the end of the game was Ethan Payne at short and Kyle Booker at second base. And that is not ideal. Ethan Payne came up in a pinch hit opportunity uh, where you needed a knock, and it was less than ideal. And I understand trying some things, and you were uh, to the point because you had already made some other moves, you know, lineup-wise, pinch hit-wise, and everything. You didn't have many options by that point in the game, but losing in the fashion that you did 12 to five was not great. Five runs given up in the top of the ninth inning, four runs, I believe in the third inning, a couple of runs here and there throughout the remainder of those games. Just not great. Tennessee did not have its middle infield. Maui Ahuna remains out. He missed some of the series at Arkansas. Um, he missed, he missed Saturday and Sunday at Arkansas. He missed Tuesday's game um, practice on Wednesday of this week. Uh, he was out there. He was doing a little bit of side work, but was not a full participant. You miss Christian Moore, who was seen with a boot on one of his uh, ankles and in shorts in the dugout Tuesday nights when the team was out there taking on Tennessee Tech. Um, to my understanding, he did not go through any practice on Wednesday. Did a little bit of cage work. So um, as the week goes on, and you guys know, I mean, full disclosure, I record this um, earlier in the week. I released it on Thursday, and so I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon. And, uh, you know, I hope to gather some more notes and information to drop them on the GQ or in the war room or something by the time we get towards the series, you know, later on in the week. But um, very, very much questions. I'd say, you know, both those guys are very much day to day. I think Simo aggravated something in his foot, obviously. Uh, so we'll have to see exactly what's in store. But I know those guys were super limited at practice 
um, earlier this week. So those are big-time question marks. Also, what's that rotation going to look like this week? You guys have read my stuff, and you know we kind of we kind of asked Tony about this on Tuesday and kind of backed it up a little bit. He did at least. Sounds like Andrew Lindsay and Chase Dolander are going to get the starts on Friday and Saturday. Tony said that Chase Dolander is pitching as well as he has all year long, which I would agree with. Need some help, obviously, to get him out of that fifth inning. And Andrew Lindsay, poor guy, deserves so much better on Friday night. Man, he was pitching a doozy, and then you just have one mistake here, one mistake there. Drives up that pitch count and puts your runs on the scoreboard when they didn't need to be, right? So, I mean, I would start Andrew Lindsay and Chase Stolander games one and game two, and I think that's what Tennessee's going to do. Won't shock me whatsoever if you stick with that same rotation. We'll talk with Luke about it here in a moment. But Lindsay on Friday, Dolander on Saturday, and Beam on Sunday. Tony said after Tuesday's game that it's almost like Beam was kind of an anomaly a little bit. That, that just doesn't happen for him, and he got torched six hits, four walks, a hit batsman, six earned runs, and, and five outs in his start, an inning and two-thirds all he lasted at Arkansas on Sunday. So I would expect that same rotation, but we'll see. I'll, I'll get more notes on Thursday uh, for sure, and I'll let you guys know. But if it's not Beam on sat on Sunday, then you know Chase Burns looked really, really good. Uh, five innings and a third of a lead. Now, granted, it was not a high-leverage situation whatsoever. Um, he had nothing to lose at that point. He was just coming in free, loose, and – and he, he pitched his game, and he looked good. He gave up one home run, but you know, that was really the only blemish. He gave up a leadoff triple and worked his, worked around it, man, to, to not let that run come in. He looked great, to be completely honest. And Tony said that they actually wanted to use Chase Burns a couple of times out of the bullpen at Arkansas. They just didn't have an opportunity. So um, if there were to be a change, I might see Burns sliding in for Beam. But, again, that's, that's messing with the schedule again. So I would expect the same three, but I'll get confirmation on that later in the week and let you guys know. Um, it's disheartening the loss on Tuesday and I'll work myself back to Arkansas a little bit, but it's disheartening the loss on Tuesday because I mean, with you, with your struggle the way you are, you just wanted a response. You didn't get that right response on Tuesday. And again, the loss hurts because it kills you in RPI. But if you do what you already needed to do and SEC played the last half of the schedule, the RPI will take care of itself. But I mean, wh what are you doing? Like, it's just, that's not... The vibes right now around the Tennessee baseball program, not great. And I'm not breaking any news here. It just kind of, it kind of is what it is. Tony pretty much said the other night, "Hey, it's, it's do or do not time. Like it's, it's it's time to shut, you know, put up or shut up. You're at the point in the season where you don't have many redos or anything. You know, lessons have already you know supposed to have been learned. It's time to go." And he said it's not the blind leading the blind out there. There's leadership. Those guys are trying. And sometimes it's discouraging because you mix some things up and try something and and it doesn't work. And it's like, well, we, you know, what else do we do now? But, I mean, we, we pressed Tony a little bit Tuesday and tried to ask those hard questions. And, um, and you know, I thought he, he handled it well and, um, you know, said the right things and pretty much said, look, it's just, it's just not working right now. But it's not like it's not from a lack of effort. These guys are trying. There's leaders in that clubhouse trying to figure it out. And so – uh, we'll see what happens. I can tell you about Vanderbilt, man. And, and, and Arkansas is just unfortunate because you could have won Friday and Saturday easily, in my opinion. But, again, defense just kills you. And, you know, Maui makes a couple of mis mistakes on Friday and then is not seen in the lineup the rest of the weekend. What's going on there? It's continuing to – his back injuries continuing to bother him, sure. Um, we'll see if he's back in the lineup. Tennessee's better, more dangerous with him in the lineup. I know a lot of people are frustrated with Maui right now, and I get it. The expectations were high because his ceiling is so high. Um, he's he's still a world-class talent, whether you want to admit it or not. But, 
Um, he's not been hitting as well as you'd expect, and and fielding has not been as consistent. He made a couple of mistakes in the field on Friday, and it was it was a big reason why Tennessee lost. There's no doubt about it. But Tennessee needs him back in that lineup for sure. Um, Jake Kendrow, I think, is doing a nice job filling in place for him. He hits the ball hard, sometimes right at somebody, and he's been playing pretty well uh, defensively. He's a right-handed bat, and so that's all good. We'll see what's in store for Maui. But um, Tennessee didn't quit at Arkansas. A couple of times you thought they were going to, but Tennessee didn't quit. Um, they, they fought just enough and made some things interesting there, especially in Game 2 of that series, and I believe in Game 1, and came back and scored a couple of runs there in the latter portions of Game 3. Uh, they need a series win in the worst way. And you got your arch rival in Vanderbilt coming to town here this weekend uh, to square off. Vanderbilt has three left-handed starting pitchers. Also, they have a fourth starter who started each of the past two weekends by the name of Bryce Cunningham. He is a righty. Um, he has been a bullpen arm for the majority of the season, but I think you're at that point in the season now where Tim Corden, Corbin, much like Frank Anderson and Tony Vitello last year, were starting to skip some starts for their guys to rest their arms. Hunter Owen was skipped last weekend due to um, arm fatigue. I believe Carter Holton was skipped the week before at Ole Miss. Do the same thing, so you're just trying to give those guys some rest. So once the uh, the starting rotations are, are turned into the Southeastern Conference later this week, I'll figure out who exactly they're going to throw. But hey, three lefties: Devin Fatrell, who's been there a time or two. He's six and one, two thirty-five ERA. He's probably your Sunday starter. Hunter Owen is probably your Saturday starter, three and zero, a three thirty-three ERA. Carter Holton and or Bryce Cunningham is likely to start Friday. Holton, four and zero, three forty-six ERA. Cunningham, one and one, a three eighty-six ERA. Uh, they've got arms for days, and then when you look at the uh, lineup, it, it's there's not like a star in that lineup. I mean, the most notable name to Tennessee fans is obviously Enrique Bradfield Jr. He's been there forever. It feels like he's hitting over three, you know, three ten on the season. Uh, but his speed is going to give Tennessee issues. Twenty six of thirty stolen base to attempts this year. He is leading the Southeastern Conference in stolen bases by ten. The next closest guy in stolen bases. 16 on the year. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it. Um, but we know who Enrique Bradfield Jr. is. We know who some of these other names are a little bit. But, you know, R.J. Shrek, I believe, is uh, a transfer, and he's he's leading that team, you know, nine home runs, 42 ribbies, uh, 344, 354 is what he's batting at the plate this year. Chris Maldonado is a name. He's done really, really well for Vanderbilt so far this year. Couple of home runs, couple of RBIs, but he gets on base at a high clip and he's hitting 352. You have deep deep um you know bats that can go into the bottom of the order, like Parker Nolan, the first baseman, hitting just 269, but six homers and 30 ribbies on the year. So it's a team that has one, two, three guys hitting over 300, four, five, six, six guys hitting over 275, and they're eighth. You know, there's an eighth guy that's in the starting lineup that's hitting 269. So let's round that up to 270. I mean, they're a pretty good hitting team, top to bottom. And so it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very um, important that Tennessee tries to work and and get into that bullpen. And, and you can't take that bat off, you know, when you're on the mound because this is a deep lineup. It's also a rivalry game. Tim Corbin is not liked around the SEC, especially here in Knoxville. Um, Tennessee fans will not forget all the butt whoopings Vanderbilt handed to Tennessee over the years. Tennessee's gotten some payback good in the last couple of years. Tennessee swept at Vanderbilt last year. Uh, the sticker on the bat incidents, yeah, I mean, no one's going to forget that. So 
you'll hear you'll hear Luke talk about it just a little bit here in a moment. So it's a big one. Um, how are you going to respond? What you do know is Tuesday's loss is disappointing. But if you do what we already knew needed to be done from here on out in Southeastern Conference play, that Tuesday loss will be a wash because your RPI will be getting back. So um, we'll see what happens, right? Tennessee needs to take two or three. Tennessee needs a series win, <clears throat> excuse me, in the worst way. And uh, all these games will be nationally televised. Friday night starts at, I believe, 6 o'clock. Um, let me let me double-check that real quick, guys. I believe that's a 6 o'clock start time. Uh, all nationally televised games. So that's why uh, might might be a little funky start time. I know that Friday night is on the SEC Network. I guess my computer is just going to be super, super lagging here today. Um, okay, here it is. Vanderbilt Friday night is going to be on the SEC Network, and that game is at 6 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday, both on the Deuce, ESPN2. Saturday is going to be at noon Eastern. Sunday is going to be at 1 Eastern, both on ESPN2. So three nationally televised games against your rival in a series that you've got to win. How are you going to respond? I'm excited to see, and uh, we'll drop some more notes on the board. We'll put some notes in the war room uh, on you know what I can gather on pitching, on injuries, and uh, thoughts and prayers to, uh, to Zach Joyce as well. That looked like a just a disgusting injury on Tuesday, and you absolutely hate it, and you could hear it and kind of feel it when Tony was talking about it on Tuesday. So um, I will get you guys as many notes as I can, but without further ado, here in just a moment, let's turn it over to the home run champion himself, former Tennessee first baseman, Luke Lipsius. That is coming up next right here on the porch, but I want to remind you guys about our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP. They make this coverage possible, the porch, and um, can't be more appreciative of those guys. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. Stay in trial lawyers. They specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injuries, such as DUI, homicide, assault, um, divorce, custody, alimony, parental rights, personal injuries, car wrecks, accidents, all that type of stuff. Over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the states and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. The practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership since 2012, while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands practicing primarily in northeast tennessee the tri-cities of sullivan county as well as hawkins county washington county and surrounding uh areas the firm has won multiple awards and attorneys who were rated by super lawyers in the mid-south with real trial experience whether you are injured in a car accident need a divorce help with custody of your children or have been accused of a crime they are here to help you. Go see him in person, 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. That's 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. Give him a call today for a free consultation, 423-245-4185, 423-245-4185, or visit my friends and your friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, at SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. Luke Lipsius, coming up next. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucas Tony Vitello put it Tuesday night. It is do or do not time, right? You, you better better show up or, or go home. It's it's that point in the season where you can't really make excuses for yourself. Um, you got to win some games. And Tennessee, unfortunately, has put itself in a position where it's got to win a whole lot of games here in this last half of the Southeastern Conference schedule. If you're in that locker room right now, as a leader, kind of what's what's the conversations like? Um, you know, the day to day in terms of, you know, Tennessee, you're going through a rough patch right now where you just can't find many wins. How, how do you keep the the positive vibes going in that locker room and that dugout? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing to do is just logically look at it. You have 15 games left in the SEC to get nine wins. I think the committee is going to like Tennessee just because of who we are and the talent we have. So if we get to that 14 number, you should see us in the playoffs. Sorry about that. Um, so we have we have uh, 15 games to get nine wins. Now, you mix in a Vandy, a really good Vandy team, a really good Kentucky team, a really good South Carolina team, Mississippi State and Georgia, that makes it a little tougher, right? So if we expect um, – if I'm a leader, I'm saying, hey, we got – a hard schedule ahead of us, no doubt. We probably have one of the harder schedules in the nation as far as SEC teams go or just teams overall. Um, but, you know, if you want to be good, you got to win against good teams and just kind of rally around that. Like, we are good enough to beat these good teams. And still, like, we haven't seen them prove themselves. You know, they've uh, won against not as good competition, but they haven't really stepped up to those big dogs. And I think that um, that's something that is kind of hopefully festering in that locker room. Like guys, let's, let's go, let's beat one of these good teams. And then if we take care of business against Georgia and Mississippi state, I think we'll be perfectly fine. Um, you know, I watched the game on TV on Tuesday. They brought up a comparison of this year's Vols to last year's Ole Miss. And through this point in the season, Ole Miss was four and 11 in the sec. So, that tells you anything is that there is hope <laughs> there, there's definitely hope um it, tell me if i'm wrong here uh tennessee is i mean it's like playoff time from here on out for tennessee and i think the vols now you can't beat yourself and of course the ongoing theme of playing poor defense is something that you know you got to fix or I, you are who you are i understand that but if you're not beating yourselves you're pretty decent um tennessee still has all the ingredients to pull off a run like this and, and punch your ticket. You've got the arms. You've got the lineup, which it didn't timely hit last week, but it's gotten deeper and you have more options. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think Tennessee still has all the ingredients there to kind of pull this thing off, win nine the last 15, go to the postseason, and, and maybe make some noise or am I off, off base here? Look, they've had all the ingredients all season long, yep. and, you know, it's – one of those things that you really see just because you have an exceptional amount of talent, if you don't have that team chemistry, if you don't have that leadership, then good stuff is not going to happen. We're to the point of the season where leaders should be developing, but you know, at this point coming off of a bad weekend series, a bad midweek, um, you know, the, the wheels could be coming off the wagon. And I hope that, in that locker room, we got guys that are rallying around each other and not tearing each other apart. Um, so it's it is one of those things, you know. They they have the talent to be top five in the nation. You know, I I think those uh, preseason rankings and even rankings throughout the first whatever five weeks um, were accurate. It's just we haven't seen them live up to their potential. 
Yeah, that that is for sure. Um, got a question for you in terms of Tennessee is so heavy with the left-handed bats, and usually that's pretty good, right? Um, mm-hmm. But maybe it's too heavy, and when you go into a series like this one here this weekend, it could be disastrous in terms of just matchups, right? If you're a manager, you know, if you're Tony Vitello, how much are you balancing trying to get right-handed bats in the lineup, or are you to a point to where like the best bats just need to play? I'm to a point to where Dylan Drowley needs to be hitting every game, Kavars Tears needs to be hitting every single game, and I understand putting Stark in there and trying to get a right-handed bat and all that, but I think like it's crunch time. That's kind of where I'm at. Where are you? How would you kind of balance that? Yeah, so – you know, um, there is there's a bit of a disadvantage for the hitter facing a lefty for whatever it is, whether it be mental or or actual physical stuff. I don't know. Um, I know Burke actually is hitting better off the of lefties, which is the one shining spot. Um, but like you said, um, should we put in those guys that just have proven they can hit or should we righty load the lineup? And, you know, I think the way V will work it is that we'll see, uh, I believe it, it'll be four righties. Uh, to five lefties and that's just the way it's going to work out because you'll want cal stark for his bat um as opposed to chuck and then you'll want simo uh ensley and griffin Merritt gives you a little bit more confidence with the way he's been uh swinging the bat but then yeah of course the mainstay is dicky um you know what based on last weekend they might throw kendro in there as well keep uh keep maui out you know i don't mind that he has been Doing a, a bad job on bad job on defense. He hasn't been swinging it well. Um, so for this series, I would not be surprised to see a, a little five four righty to lefty um, where you have Kendro in, who's playing I think a stellar shortstop and swinging the bat fairly well. Um, but that's one thing that V would do against lefties. He it was almost like five and four is that magic combination, right? Whether it's righties to lefties, lefties to righties, and I think we just have the pieces that have shown they can compete and hit to match it up that way, um, even though our lefties, I would say, are a little bit better than our righties. Yeah, as the week goes on, we'll continue to see what the status update is on Maui Ahuna, who uh, did not play, uh, You know, missed a little bit of last series, did not play on Tuesday. Christian Moore was seen uh, not, in the, uh, not in the lineup, and so he missed Tuesday's game. We'll have to keep tabs on him, and obviously Tennessee needs Christian Moore for sure. Um, I want to ask you about what Tennessee looked like on the mound against Arkansas. And again, same like with LSU. I mean, if you know one play goes different, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, I get it. But like, uh, I thought Andrew Lindsay and Chase Dolander deserved so much better on Friday and Saturday. Beam, he got he got touched up. That's baseball sometimes. What did you like from Andrew Lindsay and um, from his first start and Chase Dolander, who Tony Vitello said Tuesday night is throwing the best he's thrown all season long. Um, well, I'll start with Friday night. The thing that stood out to me most with Lindsay is composure. You get out there. It is your first SEC star. It's your first start in two years in Arkansas. That brings out, I think it's like 13,000 a game no. um, for him to go out there and do what he did. I think he got through, what was it? Two or three scoreless. Yep. Two or three scoreless. And then, you know, he was going to get through the next couple innings scoreless, but like we see, we have uh, a guy get on, an error, and then a timely hit from the other team. And it seems like after that point, whatever offensive momentum or momentum we had overall just dissipates. Um, we have saw it with LSU. We've seen it here. Uh, I think in the Florida series, it's that error that gives up two or three runs that just puts us on our back. And we haven't shown the ability to get up from that on the offensive side. 
So I think as if I'm Tony B, I'm going in with a lot of confidence with with Lindsay. And then, like you said, Dolander pitched the best he had in a long time. His stuff is looking great. Um, and then, of course, Beam, you know, when we needed him most, he did uh, suffer a few runs. But that gives way to Burns, who had one of the best outings of the season of all of our pitchers. Um, his slider was absolutely gross. He was putting his fastball where he wanted to. You know, one run through six um, is is really good, in my opinion. And so we'll see what happens um, as far as that rotation goes. I wouldn't mind seeing another weekend of Lindsey, Dolly, and Beam with Burns in the in the bullpen for whenever he wants to come in. Yeah, as, as the week goes on, and, and hopefully I'll get some more notes to put in the war room, you know, late Thursday night. Um, you know, a lot of this is, you know, we, we don't find out information until we get closer to the weekend. But um, it would not surprise me if they do just that. They stay with that same thing. Of course, you know, baseball players in general, creatures of habit, but especially pitchers because you have that routine and everything. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, Tony Vitello pretty much said that, you know, what happened with Beam was kind of an anomaly, right? Um, I mean, not even making it out of the second inning. That's just not Drew Beam-like. And so... You know, we'll see. And then Burns, boy, he looked really good. So if there was a move, I, I think personally it would be you know Chase Burns taking that game three. I don't think that'll happen right now. But again, even if you do that, I mean, that's man, that Chase Burns' schedule this year has just been nuts. If you mm -hmm. go all the way back to the Missouri weekend where they had to push it late a day and play a doubleheader on Sunday, that was it. You had to move some things up. Um you know, moving him out of the starting rotation and then to, to put him back in, but as the game three starter, that might be too much right now. So, you know, we'll see kind of as the, uh, as the weekend goes along. Would you agree with me that I wrote this earlier this week? I think Tennessee's best lineup is when Jared Dickey is catching because right now you have three outfielders who are hitting. You have another one in Christian Scott who I think is hitting well enough to be playing right now. And then Griffin Merritt, especially on a weekend like this, if you're hitting, you need to play him. And it's just kind of – it's getting too clogged up in that outfield to have Dickey out there where, I, in my opinion, he should be behind the plate. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. What do you want to do um, as far as defense versus offense? And now I, I do like Dickey's bat, but as far as catching goes, you know, he can receive the ball, but um, I don't think he's going to throw anyone out. And same thing with Cal Stark. You know, our, our run defense has just been absolutely horrible this year. Um, which is uncharacteristic of a Vol baseball team. But, you know, it, it does almost seem that we have more success at the plate when Dickey's catching. But like you said, I think V, when it comes down to it, is going to play matchups. He's going to do what he thinks is going to be the best for the pitcher on that day, especially with such a, a lefty-heavy starting rotation uh, for the Commodores. And, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things that it's um, a, a half dozen here, six to the other, you know. Um, so it, to me, it doesn't make much of a difference, um, as far as the best lineup goes, but I think it'll really depend on who the pitcher is kind of leading into that conversation. And, um, you know, I looked it up earlier this week, Tennessee's thrown one base runner out in sec play. It was against Arkansas in game three where the guy slid off the end of the bag. It was Dickey and Burns. Um, I think Chuck is over eight. I think Stark is over eight. I think Dickey's one for eight. And I know you're not a pitcher, but I, you know, anyone can see like, I guess it's just the way that, you know, Tennessee teaches it and coaches it. The pitchers are very slow to the plate. And so it's not, it's not helping those. It's not just the catcher. It's not, it's not helping those guys out much at all. But on that note, Enrique Bradfield Jr., man, he's 26 to 30 on the season. Um, every time he gets on base, he's going to steal. 
Yeah. And really, you know, for the majority of the time, I feel like, you know, the majority of everybody's lineups are going to try to take second and take that approach like Arkansas did because Tennessee's just shown they don't have the ability to throw guys out on the base pass right now. And that's another thing for the pitcher to worry about on top of everything else. Kind of how do you combat that when you get a speedster like Enrique on the base pass? Yeah, so uh, like you said, I didn't mean to diss on our catchers. I love all those guys. It It is a... Uh, pace thing with the pitchers you know you see that they all have very very high leg kicks slow to the plate Um, and that's really because our philosophy on the mound is you can get on base I'm gonna focus on this guy at the plate you know Um, you can do what you want if I get the guys at the plate out you won't matter Um, so that's basically the philosophy that's why you see those slow times of the plate as far as Enrique goes you know if he gets on first I'm almost not worried for him to be on third. So if I'm B, if I'm A, just knowing what our pitchers have and then how they are to the plate. Um, because even even if you got a pitcher who's like a one-two to the plate, he's most likely going to steal or he's most likely going to get there safe. You know, So it's no discredit to our pitchers, our catchers. But if he gets on first, I'm thinking um, and I'm telling the pitchers, hey, you're going to have a runner in scoring position. Just get the guy at the plate and everything will work it out. Um, and that's almost the mentality we went with last year. There's ways to long hold and short hold and all this stuff um, to kind of mess with the timing so it doesn't get that good jump. But that's about as most you can do um, as far as mechanics go. Don't shorten your leg kick. Don't do all this crazy stuff. Um, he's going to steal, and that's just a part of it. And you're just going to have to make sure you get the guy out at at the plate, and that's what also makes them so dangerous is that he is so successful in his run game. Yeah, he's 26 of 30 on the season and stolen bases and attempts. I looked up earlier this week. Um, he's 10 more steals uh, higher than the second-place guy in the league right now at 16, mm-hmm. which is just it's incredible when you think about it. Uh, I want to ask you, man, this is our tribal, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. You know, For you, did you hate Vanderbilt more than any other team in the Southeastern Conference? Um, what's it mean to play this in-state rivalry with a just a historic program like Vandy, who's you know won two national titles in the last you know nine ten years? Yeah, so my relationship with Vandy has been kind of up and down. So when I was younger, um, I grew up watching UVA and Vandy go to the College World Series. So back then, Vandy was you know top tier. They're the guys you want to be. They're the team you want to be on. Um, as I got to Tennessee, you know, it kind of stayed that way. Tennessee was the the underdogs. We were the kind of the, the little pups. Whenever we went there, they came in our town um, and they would beat us. And so it wasn't much of a rivalry. But then we saw from that 2021 season where they ended up taking two or three from us at home and on to even last year that this rivalry is renewed and it is fiery. Um, and so there is nothing more that I like to do than beat Vanderbilt, especially and I'm going to be candid here. Um, I am not a fan of the way Tim Corbin coaches. I think a lot of what they do is what we call eyewash, which means you do stuff not because, let's say, you have to. It's just to, like, make it look like you're being, like, hard, you know? Like, ooh, I'm a, a freaking point to the guy when I walk, you know, <laughs> get on, or when I strike out, all that stuff. And so that kind of lit the fire. And, and I think I'm not going to speak for anyone else, but it felt like a bunch of the other guys on the team had that same feeling like, Oh dude, these guys uh, don't, I don't like the way they play. Let's, let's beat them real bad. Um, but as far as the the rivalry goes, you know, Vandy got swept at home last year. 
They're going to be coming back with a vengeance. Um, we're trying to get off this uh, lost train that we've been on. So I think you're going to see a, a really good competitive series as long as the guys can figure out how to instill that competitive competitiveness in each other, in themselves, play for each other, all that stuff. Think any uh, any bats will be checked this weekend for stickers? <laughs> you never know. You know, I'd, we're not hitting as many homers as we did last year, so I think he'll be pretty uh, pretty mellow on that. Yeah, again, not to pile on, but like, why check the bats right now, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens. I, I, I do want to ask you this again because you just have a perspective like nobody else, and, and I'm putting you on the spot here, and you might not have seen the exact play that I'm talking about, um, but there was a play in Tuesday night's game. I believe it was the third inning whenever – they put like four runs on the scoreboard or whatever. It was the leadoff man, and he hit just a single through the right side. And it was a ball where we've seen so many times this year, Blake Burke would go over and get when it's not his ball. But like the one last, the one a couple of days ago, that was one that he could go get. And it looked like he took a step and is like, nah, that's not my ball. Let me go over here and cover the first base bag. And it just goes through. Um, it felt like for me, maybe he's being coached up like, hey, you got to let some of those go. Let the second baseman get it. And, and then maybe it's just kind of messing with him a little bit because that was a play that he could have just backhanded or maybe even gotten in front of and, and would have run the foot race to the bag. Is it just continuing the evolution of being an everyday first baseman, kind of knowing what to go get, what to let go, all that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not familiar with the actual play. I think I wasn't watching at that time for whatever reason. But I can perfectly uh, imagine it in my head because, you know, I've been there as well. Yeah. Um, and so there's a couple things to, to factor in. You know, you normally he does have Simo playing there, which Simo has proven he can get to just about every ball, um, which is funny because you see Burke in the early part of the season wanting to get everything. Again, yeah. not a bad thing, but also you just got to know what you can and can't do. Um, and so, yeah, that I think this is a repercussion of, hey, Burke, like if it's two steps to your right, don't go get it, you know. And so what I'm guessing with this ball uh, maybe it was hit a little firmer. And so it was, two, it was like one, one and a half steps. And he's like, Oh, someone else can get it. But because of it, it was hit firmer gets through as opposed to making a play. And so, you know, that's, it's almost like a, the, the mental games you play with yourself at the plate, you know, Oh, I should have swung at that one. Shouldn't have blah, blah, blah. It's applying to first base. And he's probably just thinking too much as opposed to doing what he, he should know how to do and that he's been taught to do and that they practice day in and day out. Um, but, you know, I I want to say he'll settle in um, at first base. And I, I really do hope that he does because he's so talented. And, you know, as, as the reps pile on, as he gets um, everyday people in there, you know, playing with the same guys day in, day out, practicing all that stuff that we won't see as many of these mental lapses. Yeah, I mean, still still just a sophomore, didn't play first base last year. Um, the guy I'm talking to right now did every single game. And so. Um, it's still just kind of a, a yes, learning curve there. <laughs> Last thing I do want to ask you before we let you go. Um, what's your setup when you watch Tennessee baseball this year? I mean, first it's gotta be weird because again, you play with a lot of guys still on the roster right now. First year out of the game. Um, I'm sure you've gone to a couple of games, but like when you're at home, you know, whatever kind of, kind of what's your setup? How do you watch Tennessee baseball now? Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's something that I hate to say that, um, um, not, that I am relatively used to from my junior year. You know, I, uh, I was on the bench, couldn't uh, be there, so I had to watch. But no, I, I just sit down on my couch, got a nice big screen in the living room. Living room. I'll usually have, I don't know, a, a cup of something, you know, usually water, um, but <laughs> and, and maybe some dinner at the table. But yes, yeah, just sitting on the couch. Uh, my fiance is with me. I got the dogs with me. And uh, 
Sometimes I'll invite a couple friends over, whatever. But normally it's just me sitting there watching the game. Um, I remember, what was it? It was the LSU game. And from the seventh inning on, I did not sit down. I was on my feet just yelling at the screen the whole time. Um, because, you know, I, I do still have so much pride to oh, yeah. uh, for the Vols, especially the baseball team. And, you know, watching them do what they are doing now it's it's frustrating and every single game i'm like this is the one this is where they figure it out and so you know it's it's a little bit heightened emotions my fiance gets mad when i yell or whatever um but yeah it's, it's, it's sitting on the couch watching tv and and trying to relax well yeah welcome to marriage your fiance gets mad when you yell at the tv watching sports yeah, <laughs> yeah that, there you go that's not gonna go away when you guys do get married all right man well as always i appreciate it um i think we both can agree uh team has talent to do it uh, taking two of a three this weekend is it's an absolute must like you've got to do it in, in terms of if you're thinking for postseason so we will see what happens and uh, hopefully for the first time in a while we'll be back on this podcast next week talking about what went right for Tennessee oh I hope so too yeah this is, uh, this is gonna be a, a good weekend to turn it around Luke man I appreciate it thanks so much With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.